Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yes, indeed. Good morning. I am joined by Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Good morning to you, Mary. Hope you're staying cool. Yes, good morning, Denny. I'm staying cool. Many of our plants are loving the heat as long as they have enough water. Oh, isn't that true? And that's uh, been my job as of late, like a lot of folks. I know we have a lot of uh, watering bans, rules and regs in different communities as well we should. But uh, individually, um, you're right. I mean, as long as we keep those things watering, they're looking pretty good. Uh, I... uh, I want to advise our listeners, you know, we tend, if you're new to the show, thanks for joining us, but we tend to get very busy here. So if you have any lawn or garden question, don't wait. You can call it in to Mary or you can send Mary a text. Uh, Same number applies, and that is 651-989-9226. Are there any other things we could be doing or should be doing to our plants? I have not. I wanted to maybe touch on lawns for a moment, Mary, that I haven't been doing anything to my lawn. I, I don't water it. Uh, because of the uh, various bands, but uh, I don't mow it either. So it's looking a little scraggly, but it, it looks relatively healthy. But I don't, I feel like I better not uh, mow it, at least mow it too short, certainly. That's exactly right. So high mowing, the higher you can mow it, the better, um, especially uh, in uh, in times of stress when there isn't enough um water or uh, in when the days are really hot. So it, it actually is more stressful if you cut your lawn short. So three to four inches is a good height. Um, if you walk on the lawn and you can still see your footprints afterwards and the lawn doesn't uh, come back and stand upright, if it's a gray color, a dull color, those are the first signs of wilting on your lawn when it does uh, need to have a water applied. But you're right, um, different different communities, different cities have um, guidelines for watering. And so you might not be able to water every day. It might be every other day. It might be early in the morning. Uh, early in the morning is ideal for the plants. Uh, it's cooler than and the more water you can put on early in the morning and keep the foliage dry, that's uh, quite helpful. And I've heard that for years now. Why? Why is that, Mary? Because sometimes I don't. I'm not able to water in the morning, but in the afternoon or late afternoon. Why is it better in the morning than than other parts of the day? 
Well, usually it's cooler, and so the water is more absorbed. So you don't have as much of it evaporating before it even gets to the soil or the plants. And then the foliage will have a chance to dry out during the day. So if you water your plants at night and the foliage is wet, that long period of wet foliage is very prone for diseases. So the water is more effective and less disease if you water early in the morning. That's the word. All right. Let's uh, grab a phone call or two, and then we'll uh, pick up on more text messages, Mary. Lorraine is calling in from St. Paul, I believe, this morning. Lorraine, you're on with Mary. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I live in an association, and I, I don't know why, but our water has not been turned on yet. We have no irrigation yet. My lawn looks like the color of hay. Um I started to uh, use my hose and stand there and and water it a little bit, but maybe that's too. Maybe uh, that's what I want to know. Am I making it worse? Should I just let it go dormant? Uh, you probably should let it go dormant, Lorraine. Um, we we tend to not have as much uh, patience as we should when we're holding the hose with our hand. Um, you you need to put down an inch of water at a time, and so that really takes an extended period of time to have the hose on. So um, and if you if you do this little bits of water now and then it doesn't the plant will not go dormant like it should and it tends to have shallower roots uh, the grasses just don't do as well with little bits of watering um, most of our cool season grasses can withstand a dormant period we're used to this happening more in the end of July early August than we are in June but if it rains again, they will come back. And we do know from experience there is a limited amount of time the plants can remain dormant. It's usually three or four weeks that they can still live through that. If it, if it becomes quite extended, then they can't live through that. But hopefully we will be back to more uh, rainfall in the near future. Well, I sure hope so. I was looking at the extended forecast. I don't I don't see anything, at least at this point, for the next uh, coming week. So we'll uh, we'll see. That can always change. Uh, Mary, there's a text from Keith from Champlin that says, uh, Good morning. I have a royal frost birch tree that started as a single trunk that pretty much died, and now I have several trunks, about four or five now. One of those has died. Any ideas of what's going on there? Oh, birch trees have really suffered with our our um, more erratic rainfall conditions, and birch trees like cool cool conditions, and moist soil. Um, I'm not familiar with royal frost, but anything that is, uh, that would kind of make me think, maybe it's the, it is more one of our uh, white or silver birches where, where it has more uh, lighter bark. And those really do like cool weather conditions. They're one of the trees that we see are suffering with the hotter weather conditions and drier conditions. A river birch is a tougher plant and can take uh, more dry conditions. So I think that it probably, uh, in this case, I I would say watering it. um, And if it's out in full sun, 
I think that it's probably, uh, in this case, I, I would say watering it. Um, and if it's out in full sun in your front yard or backyard, wherever, if it's out in full sun with no protection around the roots to keep it cooler conditions, um, it just probably is not in the best place. Okay. Let's go back to the phones, Mary. I think Grace is calling in from uh, Hugo this morning. Grace, you're on CCO with Mary. Uh, yes, Mary. Um, I uh, think, well, I think, I think, I think, or I know I have uh, the uh, hosta virus. Can you talk a little bit about that to other gardeners? Uh, and, you know, unbeknown to me, and just maybe just wishful thinking that it was just sun skull with the sum and substance, I got the distorted leaves, and the leaves, obviously it's not right. So when I go out to hole, I'm moving the, the virus around in the soil, even by touching the plants. Can you can you elaborate? I've looked for some information online, but um, for maybe fellow gardeners, this sounds like it's really becoming a problem. Uh, yes, Grace. So Hosta virus X, um, this, this is... Um, a problem specific to hosta, and it's a virus, so it's different from other diseases, and it shows up by you know mostly weird looking, weird looking plants, um, and sometimes they actually don't die; they just look really weird. But uh, yellow mottling, puckering, uh, circular discolored areas like ring spots. Sometimes they wilt. They, they just really don't look good. Um, there are tests you can have done uh, to make sure this is what you've got. Um, but basically, you have to uh, get rid of that uh, hosta. And uh, this virus lives in living tissue on the hosta. So you, you really need to dig um, as much as you can remove the plant itself and uh, get rid of it. Um, you can disinfect garden tools that have come in contact with the plant. Um, and then I, I would say that, um, you know, think about planting something that's not a hosta there and um, just let that area remain hosta free for a while. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to spread to the rest of your plants, um, but you've got to get rid of the one that does have the virus. Okay. All right, Mary, let's see. Let's do this. Let's take a break here, invite our listeners to join in on the conversation. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, don't wait. Call it in if you want to chat with Mary or send Mary a text at 651-989-9226. We moved to 73 degrees here in the Twin Cities, we're on our way to about 87 today, maybe 93 tomorrow. We'll give you some further details coming along here in just a matter of minutes. Again, 73 degrees here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Thanks to good folks like Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping you out today, either by phone or by text, 651-989-9226. That'll get you either a text question or a phone chat with Mary. Speaking of phones, Mary, Gertie's calling in from, uh, let's see, Lake St. Croix Beach, I think. Gertie, you're on with Mary. Uh, Good morning. Yes, I have a... 
bleeding heart that has gotten very large and spread over my sidewalk. I'm wondering when it is safe to trim it back. Uh, as it starts to die, Gertie, you can uh, trim it back at that time. Now, most bleeding hearts have kind of finished flowering now, and they do start to decline. In fact, some of them will die back to the ground oh, by the 4th of July or mid-July, um, early August. So uh, you can prune it any time now, actually, if it's bothering you. Um, they they tend to go dormant, so uh, right now is good. All right, very good. Let's talk to another Mary calling in from Minneapolis this morning. Mary, you are on with Mary. Good morning. Um, my question is, I have African violets, and they um, uh, the leaves start to get brown from the inside, and the stem gets brown. It, it's never the whole plant. It's just like a couple of leaves, but it seems to be quite often that this happens. Could you tell me what's going on and what I should do about it? Uh, uh, it's kind of difficult, Mary, without actually seeing the leaf itself. Uh, there are a couple of insect problems, but I don't think that is it. I'm wondering if African violets tend to be kind of picky about the kind of water and any water on the foliage and how they get watered. So I'm wondering if it's one of those things that might be um, showing up. Um, and if it's just here and there, it's not all over your plants, and they're still flowering, okay, I think I just pay more attention to how you're watering. Try never to get any water on the foliage itself. And then um, I would try, uh, if you have access to rainwater, you might try using that. that doesn't have any fluoride or chlorine in or if you're using tap water that has chlorine, make sure that you just let that set until the chlorine has evaporated. So I would try uh, some different things with watering and see if that helps. All right, very good. Uh, texter says this, good morning. I need to plant three new shrubs replacing old ones. Would it be okay to do it today or tomorrow, or do I need to wait until this uh, heat breaks? Uh, you can go ahead and do that. I assume you're probably going to plant uh, container plants from a garden center nursery. Those have a good root system on them. Just make sure that you water the plants that are in the containers really well so they're nice and moist um, and you've gotten the whole root ball moist. And then put water in the hole and put water on the plants regularly after you plant them. That is pro those plants, newly planted uh, trees and shrubs, are probably the most susceptible to dying when we have dry conditions like this because they're, they're new in the soil and they haven't got a good root system established. So anything that you already planted this year or new things that you planted last fall those are the plants to think about watering um, when we're having dry conditions. Very good. Back to the phones we go. St. Paul is next. Al is calling in from St. Paul. Al, uh, you're on CCO with Mary. I just have some comments about birch trees. Birch trees do well on the north side of a building or in the shade of other, tre other trees, and they make sure they get enough water in, in uh, dry times. Okay, very good. I 
I totally agree with you, Al. That's that's great. Thanks for reminding us about the north side of buildings where there tends to be shady uh, conditions. That's that's very true for uh, plants that cannot take the stress of the south or west sides, where that tend to be much hotter and drier. So north sides, that's, and sometimes we we're wondering about what'll grow on the north side of a building. But thank you. Very good. Thanks, Al. Uh, if uh, you have a question, a lawn or garden question, call it in or text it in. If you're just joining us, Mary Meyer from the U of M is helping you out today. Here's another text, Mary. It says that my parents live in an association. We went for a grill out, and after my kids, who are one and three, had been playing on the lawn barefoot, we noticed it had been sprayed for weeds the day prior. Should we be concerned? I think you'll probably be okay because the day before, uh, there was hopefully enough time for everything to dry out. So once the chemicals are dry, uh, they usually cannot uh, come off as much. And with lack of rainfall, uh, I think, I think you'll be okay. Um, I think a lot of those signs will say the number of hours people should remain off, but usually it's to, until it's dry. So a couple of hours afterwards would have been more concerned, but the next day is okay. All right. Good to, good to know. This texter wants to know, how does one get rid of chiggers in my yard? So chiggers are a pest that occurs more in the south. In fact, I've never heard of that occurring up here in the north. Hmm. So um, I, I doubt if they're here simply because we're in Minnesota where there are colder conditions. But if you're, if you're uh, really concerned, you need to try to locate the insects themselves. Um, either with a sweep, you know, one of these uh, butterfly nets or something that you sweep to collect insects in. You need to collect the insects. If you see insects out there, the first key is identifying what are the insects that you're seeing. And then you can think about um, how to control them. But um, I have never seen them in Minnesota. Right, very good. Tell you what, let's take a break, Mary. And uh, have a look at that forecast. Maybe when we come back, we can chat a little bit about that great place called the Arboretum. Let's uh, let's do that when we uh, we come back. Mary Myers joining us from the University of Minnesota, helping you out with your lawn and garden questions this morning here on our Smart Garden Show on Newstalk eight three zero WCCO. Stay with us. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. And Mary, before we talk like we always like to do about the Arboretum, uh, we were, a listener was talking about uh, chiggers, and you have, you've got kind of a follow-up to that. Yes, I do, Denny. So chiggers are much more common in the south, and they are often in lawns, and uh, they have been found in Minnesota. Um, I, I looked it up, and occasionally they're found on uh, beaches. Um, so tigers are a tiny mite, and they live there. They feed on humans or ducks or rodents and things like that. And they they um, they really cause itching, itching with humans, and they can be a problem sometimes. 
they're, they don't really cause any diseases that we know about at this time, but they can be very troublesome and a nuisance. But their life cycle is uh, only one life cycle in Minnesota. So we don't have as big a problem as they do in the South. So if this person that called in said they think they have them on the lawn, um, again, I would try to locate some of the chiggers and make sure that that is exactly what you have because they're quite rare in Minnesota and they only exist if there are a lot of animals around like geese on a lawn and things like that. Hmm, interesting. All right. Thanks, Mary. Speaking of Mary, I think Mary's on the phone calling in from St. Paul uh, this morning. Mary, you're on with Mary. Um, Hello, Mary. Good morning. Morning. I received um, 10 Norway spruces from the Arbor Foundation. And when they came through the mail, they look kind of moldy and brown. And I'm wondering, do you think they'll survive? They're bare root. Well, um, hopefully they will. I would certainly uh, unpack them and give them some airspace as much as possible. And then the roots, you want to put the root part of the plant in water. In a bucket, put the roots in water. I'd keep the top out and uh, space them around the edge of the bucket if you can so that there's good air circulation around them. Um, the moldiness means they've probably been kept moist, which is a good sign, but uh, you want to get those planted as soon as possible, Barry, because bare root uh, is a dormant plant. It doesn't work nearly as well with the evergreens as it does with our deciduous plants, but I would plant them as soon as possible and uh, keep them well watered. Okay. This listener wants to know, is there anything uh, t I can do, they say, to eliminate those twirly birds from silver maples? <laughs> no, that's really uh, part of the the natural life cycle of that plant is putting out the seeds. Um, all I can say is that some years it's, it's worse than others, and there are some varieties that don't have as many seeds on, but the environmental conditions can really change that. So it's, no, we have not figured out how to eliminate that yet. Let's uh, talk about, if we can, what's going on at the Arboretum. We always like to mention that. It's a great place to be, a great resource. What's going on there, Mary? Oh, it's really beautiful at the Arboretum now. There's so many things that are blooming. You do still need to reserve a time, but there are plenty of times available. We have... Um, Always, we've been able to increase the number of people that can come on a half-hour basis, so plenty of openings. Uh, the roses are blooming now, fabulous roses, the catalpa trees, many of the shrubs, wygelia, the mock orange. It is so fragrant at the Arboretum. It's just a fabulous. The um, native, a lot of native plants are starting to bloom in the prairie. I saw some butterfly weed blooming yesterday. The lady slippers, the yellow lady slippers, the state flower, our pink and white uh, lady slipper is also blooming in the wildflower garden and in the bog. And the restaurant has opened again. So the Arboretum is a wonderful place to go uh, walk around. There's plenty of shade there and wonderful plants blooming to see. How do we is the best way to is to call first or how do we how do we get the entrance to to the arboretum? 
Yes, go to the uh, website, and the link right on the website is um, make your reservation right there. Um, I'm sure that I can look right now while we're talking, but um, there are usually openings, plenty of openings every day. More openings during the week than on the weekend, but usually no problem getting a reservation at the Arboretum. Oh, that's great. All right, good deal. Our number is 651-989-9226. Let's go back to the phones, Mary. Jack, I believe, is on the line calling in from Jenkins this morning. Jack, what is your question for Mary? Good morning. Uh, we are looking for a tree to plant for some shade in the front. It, the, the lake's in front and our little porch is in between. We want to plant a tree between the lake and the porch. We're looking for something that's not shallow-rooted, something deep-rooted that might give us some good shade in the next year's approaching. Well, most trees have shallow roots as well as deep roots. It's a lot easier for many trees to find water and oxygen near the, the, in the top three feet of soil, even two feet of soil. So it's hard. It's practically impossible. While we'd like to think that trees look the same underneath the ground as they do above the ground. They really don't. They've got those shallow root systems that go out on mature trees 40, 50 feet out from the trunk. Uh, but there there are a lot of great trees. If you want to think about some of our native trees, uh, the hackberry um uh, several kinds of oaks, the burr oak, uh, white oak, red oak, uh, our, our American linden, uh, that's a good native tree. The new forms, uh, disease-resistant elms, um, the St. Croix elm that came out from the University of Minnesota is a wonderful plant. I put that in my own uh, yard recently. There's also um, the honey locust. Honey locust is a great light foliaged tree, and Kentucky coffee tree, another uh, great native tree. So there are new cultivars of of maples, the acers, that are hybrids between silver and red that will grow quickly, and they have nice fall color. So, um, you know, it's hard to tell you anything that's not going to have those surface roots. Some are worse than others. Um, Many of the maples will do that. Oaks, we don't see those surface roots as much, but they they are there uh, also. So uh, bur oak, red oak, white oak, those you won't see those big surface roots as much. Mary, we talked earlier this morning about uh, watering lawns and certain restrictions, but a listener wants to know when you can, how often should one water the lawn? Every three days, every four days? What do you think? Well, if it depends, it depends if you're if you've got full sun conditions, um, you know, I, I would still try to pace it, space it out between five to seven days if possible, and then measure how much water you're putting down and put down an inch. An okay. inch at a time is still our old guideline. One inch a week is the ideal in uh, in the growing season. Very good. Keep that in mind. Back to the phones we go. Kay is calling in from Goodhue this morning. Thanks for waiting, Kay. What's your question for Mary? Yes. Uh, my question is my beans, um, are. I have a raised garden, and they're coming up, but uh, on the leaf now is a lot of yellow. 
Um, is that weather or what? You know, I think, Kay, that it probably is a weather conditions. Um, I looked at the bees that I have growing, and I thought, why are these so yellow? When I know there was enough fertilizer in the soil when I started out. But uh, beans do not like cold weather, and we did have that cold weather. I'm not sure if there was enough uh, nitrogen available when it, they started growing. Um, you know, we, we do recommend soil testing before you put on additional fertilizer. Uh, if they're really yellow, if you use liquid fertilizer that has nitrogen in the, which most liquid fertilizer does, you'll probably see them uh, turn a more, a darker green color. I think it's low nitrogen and just the uh, uptake in the soil when, the, when it was so cold. Okay. Thank you, Kay. Let's go to Minnetonka. Jan is calling in from Minnetonka. Jan, you're on CCO with Mary Meyer. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Um, this year, my peonies all seem to be very lackluster in the quantity of blooms they have. I have one in particular that had absolutely no buds on it. I'm just wondering if, I'm guessing it's weather-related from the winter or something. wondering if anybody else has had this issue. Well, I I will say uh, that um, peonies really don't like the heat. And so, you know, some, some people said, well, we had peonies for one day this year because the flowers opened so quickly and then they were just gone very quickly. But if you have no buds at all, um, that if it, that happens consistently every year, you have to think about is the peony uh, planted too deeply or planted too shallowly? Peonies are very picky about that. But um, the other thing I would think about would be lack of sun or lack of nutrients. But if your other peonies, but um, the other thing I would think about would be lack of sun or lack of nutrients. But if your other peonies nearby are doing okay, I the Usually the reason for lack of flowers on peonies is planting depth. And that is, that's kind of a weird thing, and it's a big pain in the neck to correct that. But if it persists for, for next year, then I would consider um, moving that peony and replanting it. Okay, very good. Mary, we need to take a quick break here. Uh, we'll be back with more of our Smart Garden Show. 651-989-9226. When we do come back, we'll pick up on some text messages that we did not uh, get to as yet. Here on our Smart Garden Show on News Talk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour on CCO. And Mary Meyer from the U of M helping you out uh, this morning. Mary, you know what we, we always like to do, and I don't think we've done it yet, is get on the university's website. How do we find that great uh, resource? Yes, Denny, it's uh, extension.umn.edu. And then you can click on Yard and Garden. You can find out what, what weed do I have, what insect is this, uh, problems with pests or diseases, or what's wrong with my plant. So we have lots of pictures and lots of great information up there. 
Uh, this morning, I was looking at the information on watering and drought-tolerant plants and how to water and uh, how to conserve water and times of best watering practices. So lots of great information on extension.umn.edu. Absolutely. Great resources, I said. All right. Here's a text, Mary. It says, when's the best time to trim dead branches on my Hughes juniper bushes? You can do that right now. Uh, pretty much any time you can take dead branches off a tree. If they're totally dead, uh, it's actually good to remove them because sometimes they harbor disease issues. So, But, yes, you can do that on the juniper right now. Okay. This listener has a Christmas cactus that needs to be cut back and repotted. Is it too stressful on the plant to do both at the same? Uh, if so, how long should I wait in between? And does it make a, a matter uh, which I do first? You can do that uh, at the same time. When you're repotting the plant, it often is an adjustment for the roots. And so some of the roots will die or, or may come off as you're repotting it. And so to actually compensate for that, you can take off some of the top itself. So you can do the pruning at the same time uh, you do the, the uh, transplanting, repotting. Mary, this listener says, uh, or the question is, is it too late to put grass seed on a bare spot? It came from Eric in uh, Greenville, Wisconsin. No, you, well, you can do that. The issue is um, watering it and having, if it's a small area, the soil is definitely warmed up now. And so it has to be 70 degrees or more for that grass seed to germinate. So it actually might come quicker, but the limiting factor now will be uh, moisture. Okay. So if you can water it, you can do it. This listener, Mary, says, I have not cut back the Carl Forrester grass in my yard. Is it too late to cut it back to the ground or just clip back the dead grass? I would just clip back the dead part. Um, at this time, the Carl Forrester is starting to shoot up with its flowers. And this is interesting because this year I've seen some of the shortest Carl Forrester flowering that I've ever seen. And I think it's because the heat. Um, normally, this grass will get to be three feet tall before it starts to spend up its uh, flower stalks. But I saw some that were in a hot area, and they were only about two feet tall, and they were starting to flower. But, yes, take, out, take off anything that's brown. Uh, try not to cut off anything that's green. Okay. This listener in Shakopee says, we have tiny red specks on leaves of our young oak tree. Seems to eat holes in the leaves. Any ideas there? Yeah, I try to really look at that under a microscope and see, are those red things mites? Are they actually an insect? Or are they actually um, the leaf itself that has maybe um, grown a... Uh, you know, an extension or something that's read in response to an insect. So I'd really try to figure out what that is. Um, I'm not sure, but you can take a picture of that and send it into Ask a Master Gardener. That's another one of the resources that's on the extension uh, website. This uh, listener, this texter says this, Mary, it says, I have impatience that I take cuttings off each year. I believe I have fungus gnats. How do I treat this? 
Well, fungus gnats are the insects that live in the soil, and they are a tiny maggot-like insect. We usually can't see that maggot-like insect, but the adult is that little gnat or fly that comes out of the soil. So this is a soil insect that you need to treat for, and uh, there are a number of ways that you can do that. Um, they, Unless you've got a huge number, they don't usually cause that much of a problem, but there are a couple of... Um, Oh, you can put in a potato slice in the soil. The maggots like to feed on that, and then you take the potato slice out, throw it away, and you eliminate a lot of the maggots that way. Um, you can use insecticidal soap on the soil. That's another way of controlling them. We have several recommendations for fungus gnats on the extension.umn.edu website. Okay. Listen, this listener has a lot of rhubarb, and it's really not doing too good. Says, I'm trying my hardest uh, to, to help it. Do you have any ideas about that? Yeah, rhubarb is like peonies. It doesn't like the heat, and it will often really uh, almost lay down, and some of the stalks just absolutely die with a heat, uh, heat stress. So giving it uh, water um, and maybe adding a mulch on top of the soil to keep the roots cool is good. Cut off any of the seed stalks. If you see the uh, big stalk go up that's uh, going to flowers because you, we don't need rhubarb flowers. Uh, so And uh, keeping it well watered, that's about all you can do. Let's see. We have time for another one or two. I've been watering the annuals in my flower pots every day in this heat, the listener says. Could I be overwatering? My petunias are getting straggly. No, I, I think it's hard to overwater a container. The other thing that happens with the containers is depending on the color of the container, sometimes the roots get so hot as well, and roots do not like hot heat. If you have black or dark colored containers, they're very susceptible to um, the roots getting too hot, in, especially with weather like this. If the roots are setting out there and they get uh, hot, the, it's just sometimes too hot. So I try to water the outside of the pot, keep that cool. And then, you know, you it, it is possible that you're putting on too much water this early in the season and the plants aren't aren't really big. Um, but if, if the soil is dry to the touch, I'd keep watering it every day. All right. And this one, I know we have to run here in a minute. Uh, years ago, Smart Garden suggested putting an empty tuna can on the yard so you know when you get in, to an inch in watering. It says, good, good reminder. So when you can yes, water. True. Yes. Not a bad that way you've got a measuring cup out there. That's you can right. tell how much you're putting out. It's a great idea. Mary, we've got to run, but uh, let's, uh, if you would, please give us that uh, the website of the U of M again. Yes, it's extension.umn.edu. Click on Lawn and Garden. There's lots of information there about pest diseases, how to care for your plants, and what to do with watering in these hot weather days. Fantastic. Thank you so much again, Mary. Always a great pleasure talking with you. Let's uh, let's do this again. We'll have another show next week for sure. Thanks, Mary. Yes, always. Thank you, Denny. You bet. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. If you have questions about decking or any kind of a home improvement question, but especially if you have a question about your deck or maybe you want to get one, 
Luke Panic will be filling in for Andy Lindis uh, next hour on our Home Improvement Show. So be sure to call in or text in with your deck and porch questions, among other home improvement questions as well. Right now in the Twin Cities, skies are fair, 73 degrees. We're going to hit a high today near 87. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 